Great to be here with all of you and to see you for one last time. Um, and what a fun Bible passage to get to preach on this morning and one that I found I could really personally relate to. And I'm sure as we get into it, you're gonna look and see points that really connect to each of you on a different, but also I'm suspecting a really personal level. So I first wanna go back to the Isaiah reading this morning because every time that this reading comes up and I come across it again, I find that it, it awakens something in me that maybe I haven't acknowledged. So Isaiah says, come, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Wouldn't it be cool if they had a sign that said that on the front of Cub or Trader Joe's today when you go to do your shopping? Don't think that's what's going to happen. Last week I had my biggest bill ever, which by the way, when Katie was up here with the kids and she had the basket full of Cheez-Its and a full bag, I think it was Swedish fish, um, I was imagining my two boys, they're 10 and 7, up here. And when she said, oh, is this enough for this whole group right here? actually thought she said, is it enough just for you? And my son would have definitely said no, because <laughs> they could easily take down that entire box of Cheetos individually in probably about 10 minutes. So we are experiencing a little bit need more for miracles of ample food in our house, certainly. But as I think back, you know, as the kids were even saying, this is a common story. It's a well-known story in the Bible as we get to the gospel reading, the feeding, sometimes called the five, feeding of the 5,000, this miracle of there being enough food. Um, and I think traditionally in the church, particularly in the American church, the church, certainly the churches that I grew up in, uh, we miss a step in this Bible story. And so tell me if this sounds familiar, that when, when you hear these stories about Jesus feeding other people, what are we supposed to do in response to, the, to these stories? We're supposed to feed people, right? We're supposed to go out and to help and to give to those who are in need. Um, and as the church and as pastors and leaders, when we skip immediately to we've got to be the helpers, we miss a really important step. And we also do what, unfortunately, religion and religious leaders have done for so too long. We put ourselves in the place of God because God is the one who feeds. So the step that we miss, and I think I know why we miss it, uh, but the step that we so often miss is realizing that as Jesus and as God through the prophet Isaiah says that God is called specifically to those who hunger and thirst. What we miss, what I miss too often, is that I am among those who are hungry and thirsty. That I am among those who are in need and before I can go out and be God's servant to feed others, I need to recognize my own need that I and that we are among those who are hungry and thirsty. The word thirsty in 
American culture and pop culture has gotten some, I don't know, new-ish connotations lately. To be thirsty on social media means that you're really hungry for attention. You want someone to notice you, so you're thirsty for people to notice. And sometimes, oftentimes, you look down on people who are perceived as being, quote-unquote, too thirsty for attention. So we have a, a road and a mountain to climb to get to a place here in the church where it's okay to acknowledge that you're in need, that you're hungry, that you're thirsty. And that's because one of the cornerstones of the culture many of us were raised with is self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency, independence, freedom, all of those are good things, but if they become the only things, then they remove our need for God. Because if you are entirely self-sufficient, then where is God in your life? So as I, as I reread these words again, this call from the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel and to the people today of Minnesota, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You that have no money, buy and eat. The first thing that I had to do as I read these words again was acknowledge where I had been thirsty, where I had been in need. And as I think back to, let's see, I don't know, almost three months ago now, a little less than three months ago, when Pastor Natalia left for sabbatical and I came here to be with you on occasion this summer, I can see as I look back that I was thirsty and hungry. I had left my last full-time call, my congregation in Broughton, Minnesota, lovely little town in western Minnesota. Go visit if you want. There's the Broughton Bar and Grill and two Lutheran churches. <laughs> Um, but I had left in January. It was a really long commute for me from my home, and my kids were missing mom on Sundays when we couldn't all get to be in one place. Um, so as much as I love dearly that community, it had come time for me to leave. And so since then, I had been helping out at a few other churches and going back and forth, um, but I hadn't had like a consistent place to, to share the word, to experience that Christian community. And so I realized that when I came here that I was hungry for that, to experience anew the goodness of the church in a new place. But as all of you also know, I suspect, that when you're coming into a new church, that as you know, you're hungry and thirsty to encounter God, you're also a little nervous not sure what what is God going to look like here? What are the people here going to be like? And so we hear these words, this invitation again from the prophet Isaiah, come all who thirst. And I think that's the invitation that all of us in the church, whether you work at the church or you go to the church or you just want to invite your friends to your church, that's the invitation we want to put out there. Anyone who's hungry, 
In the words of our denomination, all are welcome. And too often, though, we put out that invitation and then we're not quite sure how to follow it up because we still, we're Christians who want to invite everyone, but we're also Americans who sometimes have a hard time with admitting that we too are in need or that we too have things that aren't perfect or that we too have places where God needs to come in and mend us. So in the midst of hunger and thirst and need, and in the midst of this place, as you guys have come through these last few difficult years of the church with COVID and being at home and figuring out new ways to connect online, figuring out new ways to be in the midst of your changing community, even since Prince of Peace was established and then the buildings came, I think the thing that can bring together the thirst and the hunger of the church to be a place of welcome and love and the thirst and the hunger of those who are seeking God is an acknowledgement on both of our parts that we are all in need. The church can't be a place of service if the church first doesn't acknowledge its need to be served first by God. Now, even though I've talked about social media and being thirsty and American culture, you might be surprised to learn that the message behind this sermon is actually deeply rooted in Lutheran theology, all the way back to Martin Luther. The first use of the law is our own acknowledgement of need and thirst, and hunger. That's why many weeks we confess in church. Because I find that throughout the week, there's all this worry and all this stress, and throughout the summer, it's figuring out anew each week, okay, where are my kids going this week? When do I need to take them there? When do I need to drop them off? What do we have for food? Food again in the house, very critical, snacks. How are we going to get all these different bills paid that seem to be due on different days and in different amounts and in increasing amounts? And so you're kind of chasing, I'm kind of chasing my tail all week and getting these different things done. And late this week, I found myself just consumed by ridding the house of dust for some reason. I went on like a dust scavenger hunt. <laughs> And this is a battle that you are not going to win. <laughs> and so last night <laughs> at like 9.30 p.m., I had loaded all of my youngest son's stuffed animals into the washing machine. <laughs> and I found myself looking over at the shelf next to the washing machine that houses all my husband. It's in the basement. We have an old house. Um, it's in the basement. It's got all my husband's, you know, um, or it could be mine, but... It's not. Uh, construction tools, hammers and stuff like that uh, up on there. And I noticed it was that shelf itself had some dust on it. And I found myself thinking I needed to dust the construction shelf. And that's when I realized I had gone too far. 
<laughs> and maybe I was really distracting myself from some other thing that was really stressing me out or really getting at me, but I had decided to pour it all into dust. I don't think that I really got to the root of what I was searching for when I was trying to find all the dust in the house until this morning when we got to lift up our confession. And in that moment in time of confession, of being able to lift up to God, I didn't feel guilty or feel bad, but instead I felt free. That there was a promise in acknowledging my own hunger, my own thirst, my own shortcomings, my own places where the reality is, I'm not God, thank God for that. It's been a lot of a lot of news this week. News of rising temperatures in the climate, political news, another indictment of a former president. There's been a lot of things that can make you feel like things are out of control and maybe you just need to dust your house. <laughs> but the reality is that for the church to be a place of healing and hope and forgiveness, it needs to begin with those of us each acknowledging our own hunger, our own thirst. The transformational power of that shift means that instead of the church being a place for holier-than-thou people to say, we're going to help others who are in need, Instead, it means we are in solidarity and we are among those who are in need. I think particularly for, for white American Christians, we've too often, maybe from good intentions, put ourselves in that role of God to say we're going to be the ones who help. And in doing so, we have neglected our own needs, our own thirst, our own hunger, our own need for God. And so you can do all the service and all the charity work in the world, but it's not going to do any good if it's not rooted in a sense that we too need help, that we too need God's love and charity and forgiveness, and that we are all part of the world that God has created. I want to move at the end here again to Matthew 14 and the feeding of the 5,000. This is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. So clearly it's an important one. And it harkens back to this call from the prophet Isaiah to come all who hunger and thirst now, if you were trying to establish a startup company and you were trying to invite people in to help you with your startup company, this wouldn't be the best marketing pitch, right? You don't want all who hunger and thirst. You want all who've got their big checkbooks to write you a big check. <laughs> it will say this is not a good business move <laughs> to call for everyone who hungers and thirsts. And still I see too that maybe this call to be the church to all who hunger and thirst can be a part of our legacy as Americans too. 
I think of the inscription on the Statue of Liberty, an inscription that many of our own hungry and thirsty ancestors adhered to when they first tried to come to this country. Give me your poor, your tired, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Again, probably not the group that they'd want for your startup company. Maybe not the group that you would put together for your child's sports team. But the group that God has called and the group of which we are among. You're tired, you're poor, you're huddled masses, yearning to breathe three. All who thirst, all who hunger. As Isaiah says, all that have no money, come and eat. In the feeding of the 5,000 that repeats in each of the four Gospels, Jesus gives us two critical messages. The first one, and we can't hear the second one if we don't fully hear the first one. And I think many of us, including myself, have spent our whole life not really hearing this. But the first message is that there is enough for you. God promises enough for you, individually. Whatever you're bringing to the table, whatever those secret parts of yourself that bring you shame or guilt or fear, there is enough for you. Even if you want that whole box of Cheetos, there's going to, Cheez-Its, Cheetos, same thing. We do them both at my house. There is enough for you. Okay, that's the first truth. And we're not going to be able to get to the second truth if we don't hear that. So hear that entirely, that there is enough for you. And the fears of the world and scarcity, God calls us to look away from that. There is enough for you. And the second truth of the feeding of the 5,000 is that there is also enough for everyone. Your needs can be met at the same time as everyone's needs can be met. That's the kind of world that Jesus came to redeem and to save. That's the kind of world that God calls each and every church to try to embody as best as we can in the midst of our shortcomings and trying to do our best and all the other things going on, to be a place where there's enough for you and there is enough for everyone. So the last thing I'll say, on my last Sunday here, but I'm only about 20 minutes away, so I might be back. <laughs> so if you were counting down the days till today and you've been checking off the boxes, you're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> But the last thing I'll say is that I was having coffee with another pastor a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about all the things that both of us have gone through in the church, good and bad, and we were talking about all the broader headlines about the national churches, about clergy abuse crises, 
about financial crises within the church, about COVID and what that had done to so many congregations and how they'd been torn apart. And as we were talking about this, both of us kind of looked at each other because we're both still pastors, right? Um, and we both kind of said at the same time, I still believe in the local church. Somehow. And I'm sure you each, as you sit here this morning, you have your own reasons and your own stories about why you're here this morning and what makes you still believe in the power of an antiquated institution that is hungry and thirsty and desperate for God's grace and resurrection. And so the last thing I want to tell you this morning is that you, each of you in this place, and especially Pastors Chad and Natalia, she invited me to come here, and all of these incredible musicians that you guys have, and Katie and the kids, you have all been a part of the reason that I still believe in the local church. As a place that welcomes and doesn't turn away all of us who are hungry and thirsty in our own way, bringing maybe nothing of substance that the world would value, but valuing each and every one of us because we are here and we are alive and we are children of God. And so I want to thank you for reminding me of that hope and for this time that we've gotten to share together in the presence of God. Let us pray. God, the concept of enough is something that is hard to reach. The concept of enough is something that everything we see sometimes on a given day is battled against and fought against because our economy runs on the sense that we don't have enough ever. But God, in this story, you show us that you are a God of enough, not only for each of us individually, but a God of enough for the world. And God, help us as individuals and as your church to live into that truth, to come to one another, not as servants and people needing to be helped, but as each of us hungry, thirsty, in need of your grace, of your living water, your body and blood. And as we receive these gifts, God, help us to go into the world as your hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for to Prince of Peace for letting this hungry and thirsty preacher come and be with you this summer. And I share my gratefulness to God who has fed each and every one of us, not only this day, but each day through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now my Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, look upon you with favor and grant you God's peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.